you have the ability to create a physical injury with your mind. I know. Sounds crazy. But you have the ability to create a problem, a real, physical, treatable, measurable problem in your body simply by thinking about it. I'll prove it. And when I do, I need you to help me out. Go to where you listen to the show. Leave us a five-star rating. I know it takes you five seconds, so you're thinking, how valuable could it be? Really valuable. It means everything to me. It's our uh, dialogue. You listen to the show, you like it. You go rate it. That's it. It's a simple thing. Don't make a big deal of it. Just go rate the show. This is a real conversation. I just had it today. And this conversation is going to show you how you can create problems for yourself physically simply by thinking about them, how they're very real when you do. I got a referral today from a former client, current friend. I want to walk you through this really simply so that you can understand it, so that you can break it down for yourself, so that you can pass this along to somebody else who needs to hear this. The deal was this person came to me because they are extremely frustrated with hip pain that they've been experiencing for a few years now. That's it. No one has answers for them. Hip pain they've had for a few years now. No one can seem to find anything. Okay. The first thing is I want you all to know, if anybody's ever told you that your pain is in your head, tell that person, go fuck yourself. If someone says to you, it's all in your head, your answer is simple. Go fuck yourself. That person is not even trying to meet you where you are. They're dismissing. That doesn't help anybody. So if you're somebody listening to this who says that, never tell people that their problem is in their head. Because even if their problem started in their head, it is now a very real problem. And we need to be able to do something about it. So here's how this happened this time. When I started asking this person about what's going on, she shared with me that several members of her family have had hip replacements. And so she's always been a little bit afraid something would happen in her hip. Okay. You need to know that that's the starting premise. In the back of this person's mind was the belief that one day my hip is going to break down. You have to understand how important this is. The belief that one day my hip is going to break down. I asked her, I said, what kind of a car do you drive? She said, I drive a Volkswagen Jetta. I said, okay, interesting. I can't remember the last time I saw a Volkswagen Jetta. She laughed because she thought I was just making small talk about cars. I wasn't. I said, when is the last time that you saw a Volkswagen Jetta on the road? She goes, I see one every day. I see, I see multiple a day. I said, that's really interesting. Why do you think you see multiple Volkswagen Jettas a day and I see none? I live in New York. You live in a rural town in the middle of America. There's more cars where I am. There's certainly more Jettas where I am. Why do you think you see them, but I don't? She said, hmm, probably because I drive one. I said, what does you driving one have to do with you seeing a Jetta and me not? She goes, well, I guess I'm just, you know, always aware of other Jettas because I'm driving one. I said, yeah, that's probably very true. And I don't drive one. I haven't seen one in years. Interesting, right? She goes, what does it have to do with my hip? She was starting to understand, I could tell, but what does that have to do with my hip? Great question. You mentioned to me 
that you always thought something bad was going to happen to your hip. Do you remember when you first started feeling the discomfort? Yes, I do. What do you what did you think when that happened? Here it is. This is the hip thing I've been waiting for. Okay. So, if you asked all of your friends, all of your friends, everybody you know, anybody here ever had hip pain? I imagine at least 50% of them, if they can recall their hip pain, would raise their hands and say, I've had hip pain before. Because we all have had some kind of discomfort somewhere in our body. And hips are a popular place for it. How come none of you guys thought you would need a hip replacement from it? Thought never crossed my mind. What did you do about it? Nothing, just went away. That would be a very common conversation, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess it would. So why do you think it didn't happen for you? I don't know, maybe because my family hip issues are a real thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Why else? I don't know. Well, maybe because you were expecting to have hip pain your whole life. What did you do when you got the hip pain? Um, change the way I run. So change the gait of my run. Stop being a long strider and went to a midfoot stride. Okay. Um, did that solve the problem? No. Okay. But so now you run away that doesn't feel very natural for you. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? Well, eventually I stopped running. Oh, you stopped running. Yes, I stopped running. Why? Well, because my hip was bothering me. Okay, so you stopped an activity. That's, that's, first thing we did was we changed the gate. Second thing we did was we stopped the activity. So now we're on two things. What comes next? Went to a doctor. Okay, so you went to a doctor. What did the doctor do? Doctor ordered an x-ray. Okay, what did the x-ray show? Nothing. No surprise there. The area where she had the discomfort for all of you was an area where it's much more soft tissue and nervy pain than where you would have any kind of an issue in the joint line, which would call for any kind of a hip replacement. So, so far, we're at changed the running gait, stopped running, uh, went to a doctor. Three significant actions. Doctor prescribes anti-inflammatories because if there's inflammation, of course, we have to want that to be gone. That's, that's tongue-in-cheek. Inflammation is not always a bad thing. So that's four things. Changed the gait, stopped running, went to a doctor, got anti-inflammatories. When that didn't work, and the x-ray, but the x-ray is not even counting. When that didn't work, what happened next? Um, stopped paying attention to it for a while. Just hoped it would go away. Okay, does it ever go away? It does stop bothering me when I'm not thinking about it. A little bit of a pause after she said that because she realized what she had just said. Okay, so why do you think that is? Don't know. Okay. And by the way, I'm rushing you guys through this. She was very smart, very articulate, very kind. Um, I'm just rushing you through this because I, I want to just tie the pieces together for you. So no discomfort when she's not paying attention to it. Decided to go to a physical therapist. That's the fifth major action. The physical therapist is going to do what now? This is where we stop, okay? Because she hasn't actually gone all the way through with that yet. She called me because she's already going to this same physical therapist for an acute ankle sprain. She's not over, overly impressed. She's looking for another option. Her friend raved about me, which I appreciate, and active life, and so we made, the, uh, we made the connect. What would happen if you went to a physical therapist and you said, my right hip hurts? They would evaluate your right hip. Good physical therapists would compare that right hip to the left hip. Now, let's think about the environment in which the physical therapist is going to evaluate the right and the left hip. 
you're in a physical therapy office. There's not a ton of heavy weights. There isn't a ton of time. And when I say there isn't a ton of time, I mean, we have a day to do an evaluation. Um, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. But generally speaking, it's a one-day evaluation. Consultation, evaluation, I think this is what's going on. Let's start a treatment plan, and we're going to iterate from there. I want to give you a what-if that I'm not claiming is this woman's true, but it has been for many people we've worked with at Active Life, and it could be for her. What if the reality is her right hip is just more effective than her left hip? And so when she used to go for runs, her right hip would do 60% of the work and her left hip would do 40% of the work. Which hip do you believe is more likely to start experiencing a breakdown that is symptomatic first? The right one that's doing 60% of the work when it should be doing 50 or the left one that is only doing 40% of the work when it should be doing 50? If you guessed the right hip, you're correct. So what happens now? Her right hip starts to break down, perhaps as a result of being stronger than is good for it by comparison to the left. Maybe it's it has more stamina than the one on the left. So when the left breaks down, the right picks up the load. Whatever. There's a million different iterations of that. That's why I don't tell people what's wrong on a phone call. It's why we at Active Life spend over a month evaluating our clients before we figure out what we believe needs to be strengthened, lengthened, and better controlled. You go to the physical therapist. Because they're evaluating you on a table or in their, in their clinic, I'm not minimizing the value of physical therapy. It's important you all understand that. Okay? Just assume I send people to physical therapists on a regular basis because physical therapists are awesome. Okay, if you make that assumption, you'd be right. There are also limits to what they're able to do. And there are people for whom the way that they evaluate is not effective. So what if we would need to go for a two-mile run? Or we would need to take as many strides as a two-mile run would show before we would start to identify the breakdown that is actually happening as a result of the right hip still being functional and the left hip being diminished. How are we going to do that in a physical therapy suite? How often is that happening in a physical therapy suite? What if we needed to see the hips perform resistance training? So, for example, a step up on the right leg as compared to the left leg. How much weight can you do? How many reps can you do, let's say, 85 pounds of a step up above your knee height on the right? We have her to it. She gets 18. Let's see on the left. She gets four. Are we going to go ahead now and assume that the problems are that the right hip is problematic? Or are we going to assume that maybe we need to get that left hip to catch up to that right hip? What would be the immediate assumption? Obviously, if we did those two examinations and we found that the right leg was doing all of the running, the left leg was getting dragged around. The right leg was doing 18 step-ups with a given weight and the left leg could only do four. We would not be focusing on strengthening the right leg. But because of the scenario in which this person would walk into a physical therapy office and the way she would describe it and the tools that they have at their disposal and the time that they have at their disposal, we end up seeing people get the leg that oftentimes is doing all of the work more effective at doing all of the work. And so while you feel better while you're in the physical therapy office, the number one indicator of future physical therapy 
is previous physical therapy in the same region. That should set off alarm bells. What that means is if you've had physical therapy on your shoulder, you are more likely to need physical therapy on your shoulder again than somebody else who has not had physical therapy before is to need physical therapy in their future. If it was working so well, they wouldn't need to go back so often. Now, there are a million reasons, and this is not an indictment on the physical therapist. Oftentimes, it's that people don't do their post-care protocols. It's that people don't take enough time to actually mathematically ease back into things. There are a million reasons, and I am not indicting physical therapists. We're focused here on how did this woman potentially manifest a hip problem with her mind when it didn't exist in the first place? And if you were paying attention, what you would have heard on this thread is that she felt something and it immediately validated that she's right. The hip was, in fact, starting to break down just like she always knew it would. And then the cascade of events that followed that were totally different than the cascade of events that would have happened if she wasn't already thinking, I have a hip issue that is eventually going to show itself and break down. And then we got into how was it managed, how was it cared for, and there's a better way to do that. So the big take-home point for you today is at all costs, look for the most logical conclusion instead of catastrophizing what might be going on. What happened for this woman, who is very kind, very smart, and I'm excited for us to help her, is that she went straight to the worst-case scenario and started taking action that I don't blame her for taking, but she took this action out of fear, and she's now been just negative thoughts steeping in what's going to happen to my hip. I'm too young and too healthy and too vibrant for this to be happening right now. And we've talked on this show before. Pain is just a negative emotion associated with irritation. And irritation is necessary for adaptation. So if we break that down, irritation is just a f something that we feel that causes us to adapt in a good way, in a bad way, whatever it is. Exercise is irritable or irritating. Exercising is irritating. That irritation, micro tears in the muscle, all that kind of stuff. We adapt by laying down more, stronger muscle, building better neurological connections, all that kind of stuff. That's irritation, adaptation. Pain is when we decide we don't like the way that that irritation feels. Injury, injury is when we decide we no longer can do a thing. This woman is going to get her life back working with us at Active Life because we're going to help her understand through education, exercise, and mentorship what led to the hip problems that she's experiencing. What can she do next time she starts to feel them? And how do we make sure that they are even less likely to come back in the future so that she can stop thinking about the day that she's going to need to get her hip replaced because it's actually unlikely it's ever going to come. If you listened to this podcast and said to yourself, I need to send this to like seven people who I believe are manifesting their own pain. And that's not California woo-woo stuff. 
I'm talking about people who are just thinking about a thing and so it keeps being a thing. Like that sore in your mouth. With it, like you've all done it. We've all done it. You like bite your cheek or you bite your lip and it blows up for a little bit and then you rub your tongue over it and it hurts a little and you're like, oh, that's really annoying. Why does it hurt like that? But you keep going back to it with your tongue and you're like, mm, yep, pain's still there. It's been a week. Mm, yep, it's still there. And then you wake up one morning and it's gone. And you're like, oh, where'd it go? Oh, where's my little pain? Huh. You've all experienced that. The difference when it comes to our body is that it doesn't actually go away and we don't wonder where it went because we find discomfort every time that we feel it because we do tax our bodies. We do drive irritation to our bodies. It's on purpose oftentimes. And so it's only natural that we're going to feel things. And you might feel something on the left and on the right. But if you only thought you were going to experience something on the right, it's going to be magnified when you feel it. That's the point of today's podcast. If we can control our minds through education and mentorship so that we understand what's going on and we can think dispassionately about things, we can logic our way out of a lot of problems. If you need help with that, I want to be the guy who connects you to the person who does it. Hit me up on Instagram at Dr. Sean Pastuch. Let's start the conversation. If you're a coach or a trainer and a client of yours needs to hear this, you don't have to worry about sending it to them, having them reach out to me. You sent it to them. So you're the expert now. They trust you because you sent them something that you knew would be a benefit to them. Do it. Turn pro, my friends.